This episode sponsored by HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash OP16. Use the code OP16 to get 16 free meals. Oh, I shouldn't sound surprised. To get 16 free meals and three free gifts. It's early. Come on in. It's too cold out there. We'll we'll go for a walk in a little while. Come in. It's freezing out there. But the wind chill, it's like single digits. Do you understand what that is? Good morning, Ted Palawada and Leslie Larson and David Turner and Steve McCann. Good morning to everybody. Welcome to my little live stream from uh from the ocean. Uh Nah, rough morning indeed. Just a sad morning. Sorry for your loss. Um, yeah, man, Bob Saget died unexpectedly uh, yesterday in Florida in a hotel. Still trying to get uh, details. I was watching. Uh, what was I doing? I was watching. Um, uh, I was watching the Bills. Oh God, I was watching the Bills beat the Jets. I was uh, texting my really, really good friend, or actually friends. It was a group uh, text. Uh, two of my oldest and dearest uh, friends, Stork and Buzzy. We all had fraternity names, also known as uh, Jeff and Fred. And we were excited about the Bills game and going back and forth, telling stories. You know the deal. The next thing you know, my my wife comes up. I was watching the game up here. She comes upstairs and says, uh, Bob Saget died. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, immediately uh, got really, really sad. Ah, what are you, you going to do? What are you, you going to do? They're all just dying. 65 is way too young to just die. Especially considering... Um, I don't think he had anything going on. Um, lost touch with him a little bit, but he was one of those guys that always seemed to be around. Would text him from time to time. He would get right back to me. Always wanted to know about, uh, you know, my family and how I was doing and make sure I was all right. It's funny because I wrote up a little something on Facebook and I was thinking, um, Man, a lot of people are going to think that me and Bob Saget were really, really close. I'm here to say that uh, me and Bob Saget weren't, like, close friends. 
But what I want to add, and maybe I'll add it to that Facebook post, um, he made you feel like you were best friends. Even if it was uh, a casual friendship like we had, um, our casual friendship meant, you know, him coming on the radio show a whole bunch of times. He did the podcast. I'm going to repost that episode maybe today or tomorrow. Uh, last time I talked to him, as far as on the phone, was uh, was on the podcast. Because you just assume these guys will always be around. And, you know, you check in with them and they'll check in with you. That, oh, that needs to be said. He would check in on me as well. Yeah, I got to add that we weren't, um, we weren't like best friends. We weren't even, uh, I would say, close friends. But we certainly were friends. And he made you feel so fucking special every time you talked to him on the phone or hung out with him. I remember the. I don't really remember the first time he was on our show, but I remember being incredibly starstruck. I was thinking to myself, "That's fucking Bob Saget." And being a huge fan of uh, comedy back then, and I wasn't a fan of Full House, but I certainly knew that show like everybody else. I was more of a fan of his uh, "America's Got America's Funniest Home Video." Excuse me, I just woke up. I didn't really sleep. I was just tossing and turning, just going, this is just so sad. But um, I was working in Buffalo, and we would watch Bob Saget on America's Funniest Home Videos um, every Sunday. Every Sunday um, on, a, on a pretty regular basis. A lot of the people that worked at the radio station in Buffalo, we all were from faraway lands. So we uh, developed a little family unit, and on Sundays we would uh, – we would have dinner together, and it would make us feel uh, a little less homesick. And uh, the show that was always on was Bob Saget and America's Funniest Home Videos. And at that point, I'm a nobody in radio. Fast forward, I got this giant radio show, and then Bob Saget just walks in one day, and it brought me right back to Buffalo. And uh, he became an instant friend of the, the radio show. You quickly learned that the guy was so humble. You wanted to shake him sometimes and go, do you realize you're Bob Saget? But he was just so humble, so kind, so funny. Always funny. Never down. I never saw the guy bummed out. And then I just remember um, one day he's – he did the radio show and he was in town and he looks at me. He's like, Hey, you want a double date tonight? <laughs> and he was uh, going out with this, this young lady that's long gone, meaning, you know, he moved on with his life, but he was, uh, he was pretty happy with her at the time, but she was a cool person. I don't really remember her name anymore. So me and my now uh, wife, we, we went to dinner with Bob Saget. And his uh, new girlfriend at the time down to the West Village. And I was just like, the whole time I'm trying to be cool, but I'm like, I'm, I'm eating with Pop Saget. And I didn't get uh, starstruck that often with that radio show. God, we just laughed our asses off. We decided to uh, sit outside. I think Bob decided to sit outside because I think Bob really, really liked interacting with uh, his fan base, which was massive. And the whole time we were eating dinner, people were coming over, having um, uh, conversations with him as well, and, and getting their pictures taken. 
And he was always, he was able to navigate that and make sure we were still getting his undivided attention. And I say undivided attention. Yes. Cause he was a, he was a massive multitasker. He understood how famous he was from those uh, shows he did. Uh, don't forget uh, how I met your mother. He was the narrator in that as well. So he had, he had three massive hits, massive. And, um, you know, we solidified our friendship. Every time he came to town, he wanted to do something. It was it was mostly going to dinner or lunch, a lot of lunches, uh, walking him back to his hotel after the radio show, uh, a walk that should have taken maybe five or ten minutes, took well over an hour because he couldn't go more than, God, I want to say ten feet, but I think I got to say five feet. He couldn't go more than five feet without um, somebody stopping him. And he was gracious the entire time we used to go to a little place on um 57th street for like brunch after the radio show and he always wanted to walk there and by the time we got there it was like lunchtime uh for what i just explained that uh, the walk was only uh, uh how many blocks like 10 maybe and it was a nice little joint in a in a um in a hotel, uh, we ate there many, many times, not only with Bob Saget, but I ate there many times with my uh, my agent, uh, who's no longer with us either. But um, it was a place to be seen in a way. It, there was always some kind of celebrity presence there. And you'd, you'd walk, uh, excuse me, you would look around the room and you would see celebrities here and there almost every time you were there. But, man, the biggest celebrity was Bob Saget because even the celebrities were like, holy shit, that's Bob Saget. And we would laugh and laugh and laugh because there was a waiter with the worst toupee, the worst toupee you'll ever see in your life. It was unbelievable how bad this thing was. And this guy wore it proud, proud. He didn't give two shits. This guy had incredible confidence. And, uh, you know, Bob wasn't going to make fun of the guy in front of his face. And the guy was a huge fan of Bob Saget and couldn't believe he had he could wait on him and blah, blah, blah. But, man, as soon as we left brunch slash lunch, oh, my God, did he make me laugh for the next 20 minutes with jokes. But he would always invite me to his gigs in the area. And I, I always got it, always went. And, and uh, I remember – Remember the first time um, I went to one of his gigs and saw him for the, for the first time live. I think it was in Westbury. Uh, it was in the round. And there's Bob Saget on stage. And the audience is filled with his full house fans and his America's uh, Funniest Home Videos fans. And then the guy gets up there and he tells the 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 dirtiest of jokes, all edgy uh, material, funny as all hell, and he had some people, not a lot. He had some walkouts because a, a bunch of people that were fans of his Full House, they they were thinking they were going to see some wholesome comedy, and here's Bob Saget cursing and just dirty joke after dirty joke, beyond hilarious, and I was like, oh my god, Bob's a dirty comic. I had no idea, but that was his reputation in uh, in in comedy and in stand up. When he was coming up, he was a very edgy, dirty comic. And then he got the 
opportunity of a lifetime when he got casted for that uh, show Full House. So then he had to kind of throw all that to the side and become this wholesome character on TV that we all know and love. And then when that was done, he went right back to what he what he knew best, being a stand-up. And then I couldn't believe that uh, he did the he did the virus tour. There was a time that me and Anthony we were we were doing these live comedy shows. Um, I don't know. I want to say we did about ten or twelve of them. I think we did like two summers, something like that. And they asked Bob Saget if he wanted to do it. And he said, absolutely. And once again, I'm like, you're Bob Saget. You don't have to be doing this. And for the most part, we absolutely got some famous comics. But a lot of them were before they were, were massively huge. I'm talking about like uh, Patrice O'Neill. I'm talking uh, Louis C.K. Uh, I'm talking even Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan did the the comedy show, and th that was before he landed 30 Rock, I believe. It was these guys that were kind of in between uh, gigs or uh, right before they were going to be massively huge. And there's Bob Saget, and he wanted to do it. And backstage, he was just one of the fucking guys. But we all knew we, uh, we were hanging with someone that was pretty fucking special and pretty fucking famous. But he never let on that he was that guy. He was he was just always uh, down to earth and humble, incredibly kind. When he asked how you were doing, you knew he meant it. You know how it is. Some people are like, hey, how you doing? And then you know they don't even want the answer. It's just something you say. But you can see he would focus right in on you and uh, really want to know how you were doing. He uh, he adored his kids. He was a he was a great father. Ah, that's fucking sucks. I don't even know if any of this makes sense. Oh my god! I had a weird. Um, this is really just dumb and probably won't even go anywhere. But I was I was soaking in the bathtub two days ago, and I had a strong feeling that I should check in on Bob and see how he's doing because it was, it was, it, it was, uh, it's been a bit, not too long. I probably talked to him. Oh, gunshots in the distance. That's wonderful. Um, I probably talked to him for the last time sometime over the summer through text messages, just a text here, a text there. And I was like, you know, it's been a little while. Like I should check in with Bob, but it was a, such a strong feeling that I should check in with the guy. And then I was thinking, eh, See how he's doing, and then maybe ask him to do the podcast again because it's been a it's been a bit since he's been on. And then I remember thinking to myself, "That's weird." I haven't really thought about Bob in a bit, but it was such a strong feeling. And then uh, I get the news yesterday. What does that mean? I don't know. I told you ahead of time that it, it's probably not going to go anywhere. I, I set it up by saying that. Yes, I had some uh, Epsom. How do you say that word? Epsom. I don't use uh, I don't use that stuff because I can't pronounce it. If I can't pronounce it, I can't use the stuff. So there's a lot of stuff I can't use. <laughs> I uh, like everybody else. You know, when someone dies, you check their your their social media, and and he was very happy. This Bob Saget, he just played a 
a great show in Florida. He was surprised he was on stage for over two hours. And I think he was, you know, getting his stand-up chops together again. He wanted to film a special and he was going to really work hard and stay on the road and make sure it was, uh, he was more than ready to film a special. And then I checked his Instagram and man, he wrote something so beautiful about Betty White's passing, which was only what? A little over a week ago. It was so beautiful and so well-written. I was thinking to myself, man, all this stuff could be said about Bob Saget. Except for being on Golden Girls. But, you know, what you do is you, you take that, you scratch out a few things, make it a little more uh, generic. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, Bob Saget just wrote his own eulogy. But he had beautiful things and kind words to say about uh, Betty White. And then um, this morning... I saw that uh, Dice wrote something on Instagram. And man, fucking Dice. Fucking Dice showing a lot of emotion uh, these days. Man, he spoke from the heart and had some really, really good things to say about Bob Saget. He's one of these guys. I don't, I don't think anyone has a bad word to say about him. Man, if you could go through life without having uh, most people, the overwhelming majority of people, not have something bad to say about you, I think you lived a good life. And Bob Saget, uh, certainly dying way too young, but I think he lived a good fucking life. A very clean life. <laughs> That's funny, Jason. I'm sure he, he has been on a few Golden Girls in his lifetime. There you go. But yeah, I, I think I want to make it clear. When I, I was writing some things and I was thinking, oh my God, people are going to think uh, we hung out a lot and we were best friends. And uh and then I, I realized, ah, it's okay what I wrote because that's how I felt. And then I was thinking, um, then it really hit me that it's important to say that that's the type of guy Bob was, whether whether you were uh, a childhood friend or a close family friend or a peer of his in the stand-up community. He made everyone feel like, like uh, you were really, really close. And I certainly felt that. Here we are at the ocean. Um, I don't know if we're going to get a sunrise today. Kids were supposed to go back to school today, but we're taking a day just to breathe. Not because of Bob Saget. I honestly don't feel like uh, the schools they go to, um, I don't know if they have their shit together. This Omicron thing is completely out of control. It's going to be out of control, I feel. I'm not an expert until about February 1st, I would say. Uh, and then I, I feel like we'll be on the other side of it. Uh, I'm no expert. That's just my gut feeling. And the school was so concerned about the Omicron variant that they closed the school last week and everyone went back online. And they did that because 70 people in the community of the school, meaning teachers, students, and what have you, tested positive. Since then, another 70 people have tested positive in the community. So that's now 140 40 people associated with the school since they went on Christmas break. And they, they decided to reopen it today. And I, I wrote the guy, you know, the main guy. I said, I, I have concerns about this. What, what would it hurt to just stay online for another week or two? I understand the kids need to socialize. I understand all that. And I understand we're probably heading toward – um a living with this thing. Uh, but I feel like what would it hurt to take another week or two and see how this all plays out? 
I said, even in your email saying that we're going back uh, to in-person learning on Monday, meaning today, there's all sorts of problems that you're admitting in, in, in this email and how challenging it's going to be and how you're going to be understaffed and, uh, and complete uh, classes might have to be wiped out for a week to 10 days where they're going to have to go home anyway. As soon as someone tests positive and they know that kid was around uh, a whole bunch of kids at the school, all those kids, they got to tap out of the system for a while. I said, in your own email, you're saying this is a, a bit problematic. He writes me back and says, as an educational, education, educational, oh boy, this is going to be funny when I say this line, knowing what I have to say here. He said something like, as an educational administrator yourself, you should understand how hard this decision is. And I wrote back, now it's almost, almost old school ope, hothead ope. I go, is this a copy and paste response? I'm not an educational administrator. You don't even know who I am. And then he had to admit that it, it was quite the day and, you know, there's angry parents all over the fucking place. And he, he uh, got my email confused with somebody else, but it just shows you a lot of parents are concerned. And, you know, it's, it's, it's right down uh, political lines, I think. Cause he basically said, look, half the people don't want us to open the school and the other half want us to open the school. So you know what that's all about? Cause we're stupid. We had to politicize this from day one. God, we're so stupid. And I'm not even talking. I don't, I, yeah, one side is going to be more right than the other side. So, but my point is, why did we have to politicize this from day one? Why? Not everything has to be political. So I wrote the guy back after he thought I was a educational administrator. And I let him off the hook. Because that's kind of the new me. I was hothead. I made my point and then I backed out instead of being a complete and utter dick. I think that's where I've had issues in the past, not knowing when to just leave it alone. And then I wrote him. I said, hey, uh, you know, we've uh, we've chosen to take Monday off just to breathe and figure it all out. You know, I know I have to um, get the kids back in school tomorrow, but I figured, what the hell? Let's let's take a day and breathe and make sure they're all masked, masked up properly with the right the right shit, because at this point. Um, it's hard to not think that my whole family is going to get it. I think we're, most of us are going to get it. It's pretty obvious at this point. I mean, I don't have to tell you in the last two weeks, the amount of people that, you know, testing positive for this thing has ramped up dramatically. So I guess, I, I guess we got to accept the fact that, uh, we're all going to get it in our house. And I just hope like everybody else hopes that we do. Okay. And my doctor friends, uh, have told me that in most cases you'll do okay, but you know, you don't want to be the, uh, the exception to that crap. Hey, Benjamin Blumenthal, one day won't hurt better to be safe. Well, it's funny you should say that because my son is, um, he's probably less than a year away from being smarter than, uh, than me and probably less than two years away than, than being smarter than my wife. He's a really smart, logical, kid he says uh one day dad 
is not going to make a difference. And he's 100% right. They probably should be going back to school today. My son was mad because he had a perfect uh, attendance. And then he got tapped out because he got exposed to COVID and he was so mad. This is the difference between when we went to school and, uh, and these kids. When we went to school and we got a sick day, we couldn't wait to stay home. We'd be so happy. And then just watch garbage TV all day with a nice, strong fever. Uh, but these kids, they get really bummed out when they, they miss a day of school. It's so strange how different that is. Hey, Larry, what's going on, buddy? I got to walk doggy. It is freezing out there. I'm, I'm inside with the, with the door open, so get the action of the ocean. Jamie Marie D., that's some good news. I could use some good news. One of our own, Will, is a member of the private Facebook group. He was fighting COVID in the hospital. For the people that don't think it's a big deal, for those people that think it's just the flu, uh, he was in the hospital for, for uh, wow, I don't know, I want to say like five or six weeks, right? And it was touch and go. And uh, he definitely fought. And now I'm hearing he might go home today. Holy shit, that's great news. Great news because it, he got it really, really bad, man. Oh, God, you got to learn that lesson. The sooner you learn that lesson, the better. Good morning, upset about Bob Saget really puts things in perspective. Tomorrow isn't promised. Oh, my God. The only thing that is promised is, is right now. Live in the present. Believe it or not, at this point, the past don't mean shit. The past absolutely influences you. And if you can uh, somehow figure out how the past doesn't influence you as much, you're, you're going to be in a good place, my friend. Just live in the moment. Live in the present. Stop worrying about what's going to happen in the in the future. None of that's promised. You can do everything perfectly and then you step off the curb and get hit by a stupid city bus. And then as you're laying there taking your last breath, you're like, but I, but I did everything right. I did everything right. The only thing you can do is live uh, right in the moment, right now. Right now is the most important thing in my life. I will turn this off. I will start shaking the kids, getting them up, and then they will be uh, the most important thing because I'll be living in that moment. And you just try to you try to go from one moment to the next as you just continue moving forward. Oh, God, that's just terrible too, man. Larry Hanshaw, yeah, we had a massive fire in the Bronx. 19 people, I think, were up to died. And this is what I hate about the news. Obviously, an incredible tragedy. 19 people lost their lives in an apartment fire in the Bronx. That's just horrific. And then the news, because they, they have no self-confidence. They're like, and nine of them were kids. And I, I yell at the TV every time they do that. They all do it, too. Whenever there's a tragedy, the one thing the stupid news people have to, have to uh, figure out is the worst tragedy in that giant tragedy. So like uh, those tornadoes that went uh, went through and uh, what it was on the ground for uh, over 100 miles or whatever it was, they had to find the youngest victim. So they'll give the total number of deaths and then they'll go. And one of them was two days old. Can you believe it? Don't worry. We understand tragedy. When the headline is 19 people died. In a fire in the Bronx, trust me, we get it. We get it. You don't have to add, and nine of them were children.
Oh, why did they do that? Oh, the news is despicable. I really believe cable news will be the downfall of this country. I do believe that. They're despicable. Yeah, right on. I look on life becomes so fresh and positive when you turn the news off. Right on. Dirty laundry coming in. Right on. Uh, a great Don Henley uh, song about the, the bubble-headed bleach blonde who comes on at five. And she's, she has a gleam in her eye. She tells you all the horseshit that's going on. Yeah, Bill Hick, Bill Hick excuse me, uh, uh, a comedian that died way, way, way too young. I mean, if he was still alive, he would still be kicking ass and he would still be relatively young. I think he'd only be in his 50s, maybe pushing 60 at this point. But he died like well over 20 years ago. And his stuff, especially his, uh, his I call them CDs. It dates me, I understand. But his CD, Relentless, is, is still relevant to what's going on today. Just changed the names a little bit. And he has a great bit on the on the stupid news talking about, you know, he's watching the news and it's, you know, uh, it's a laundry list of all the terrible things that are happening in your area. The fires and the shootings and uh, and the assaults. And and then he goes, I turn off the news and then all I hear outside my window is crickets basically saying, stop watching that crap. It just puts fear in your soul. Yeah, right on, Jamie Marie. Prayer through all the first responders who had to deal with all that sadness. Yeah, 19 people died, and some of those first responders will never be the same because what they do for a living. We forget that. In other news, that doesn't really matter. It's all really uh, – Bob Saget is just uh, heavy on my mind today. The outpouring of love. You know, you think the outpouring of love would be uh, – would help but first of all you, you 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 quickly think man i hope bob saget um knew all these people really gave a shit about him and loved him and what he meant to all these people that are um, that are saying just such wonderful things online right now you hope that uh that's the case but i think the outpouring of love when when a tragedy like this happens like uh bob saget dying at 65 i think it makes it I think it makes it hurt a little more, to be honest with you. But I guess it's better than hearing, good. <laughs> he was an asshole anyway. So I guess that would be the other side of that coin. You were at one of the, you were at the PNC virus show with Bob Saget. Oh my God, he was amazing. And like I said, he just hung out with us. Like he was one of the guys. I was expecting uh, a, hel a helicopter to land after he performed to take him out of there, but no, he hung the entire time and greeted the fans and took pictures and signed whatever people wanted signed. Oh, thanks, Liam. Very sad. He hit it off with you. Yeah, we did absolutely hit it off. And I absolutely uh, considered him a friend. I think I'm going to, um, because people are, are lazy, they can search it out themselves, but most won't. So I think I'll... Uh, I'll re-upload the uh, the last chat I had with Bob Saget. It was on my podcast, I, I think, uh, a little over a year ago, I think. I'm not sure of the exact date. All right, I got to get Doggy out of the beach. He's just staring in the distance. That means he's looking for spots to sniff. He's like, I think I can pull over there today. Well, I know that spot didn't have the right smell. Even though my bowels were, were really hurting me, I got to find the right smell.
that one was almost the right smell, but the smell was a bit foreign. Like it might have been a possum or something. Like I got to search a little further on this beach. And then he just runs because he's shameful, full of shame, this dog. And then he runs about a quarter mile just to poop and then runs back. He doesn't want me anywhere near him when he poops. That's probably why he didn't poop last night because he was on a leash. It's very rare uh, doggies on a leash. <laughs> We're all Donna, very nice. We're all scouting out places to sniff. <laughs> I'm going to end with that. I'm afraid there was shit all over my balls and everything. Sorry. But I'm not, I'm going back to the hotel. My girlfriend's not here. It doesn't matter. Are you videotaping? Yeah, because you're talking about... Uh, the water uh, splashed up. Yeah. Okay, when you flush, you don't want up a day. Right. And I just had to clean out, and then it splashed up, so then I had to go spend all this time, like, wiping, making sure I didn't have any poo resonance freckling on my balls. I'm exhausted. That was fascinating, Bob. Wipe. I just kept wiping and wiping because there's no, there's nothing there. Right. I was, cl I'm clean. But the water in your freaking XM bath. The plumbing is very strong. The water up. shoots up it's and hits you in the ball bed. Serious. Yes. It was, it, 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 I'm changing camera angles for the rest of the story. Oh, this is my good side. Oh, that was your good side. This is my good our, side. Our, this month. That's your bad but side. It, but it was, um, it was the, pretty bad. I had a lot of maintenance to do. Just to clean up water, the water. Just water. And I just, I, but I'm scared because that could be, that means I could have, I gotta go shower. Yeah. I gotta have poo freckles. Do your fans know you as Opie? Is that how they like to be called? Well, you? how else would they know me? I know you as Greg. Yeah. We're, we've been friends were, for a we, long time. We've been friends for a long time, and you went into the toilet with me. You're not one of those guys that likes to dump in public. I don't dump in public. I'm a very quiet. I will dump clean, anywhere. Compulsive. You don't care. If you I don't care, man. Like I'll the army. You just shit anywhere. I'll use the bathrooms at the emergency uh, room. You'd use the yeah, toilet. sure. You just stop in an emergency room. Port Authority uh, bathroom. Port Authority is without even wiping the seat, Bob. I don't care. I'll just sit Actual down. Actual bus bathroom. <laughs> yes, I don't care. I knew a story Rodney Dangerfield told me about this guy, Joe Ansis, really funny guy that was OCD. Laid down toilet paper on the seat. Got yeah. up on the top of this thing, craning like a like a crow, and then some, somebody looked under it. He didn't lock the stall. Right. He was naked because he wanted to have a clean. Building. Really. And this guy opened the stall, and Joe was naked, standing on the seat, trying to squat it. <laughs> right. You want to hug and stuff now? Yeah, I'll hug. All right. It's good seeing you, pal. You too. We'll see you next time. I'll oh, see you. but now we're still walking together.